Friends, before we get to the podcast, I want to make you aware of a free event hosted by United We Pray in a couple of weeks. We will be hosting Dr. Jarvis Williams, Associate Professor of New Testament Interpretation, for an evening to think about redemptive kingdom diversity. He'll be speaking, and we'll be recording a live episode of the podcast with him. It's very exciting. This event is free, but registration is required. Please see the link in our show notes for more information and let friends in the Birmingham area know about it. Grace and peace. Grace and Peace, you're listening to United We Pray, taking racial struggles to the throne of grace. United We Pray is a ministry devoted to prayer about racial strife, especially between Christians. We want to help Christians pray and think better about race in a way that is biblical and helpful, clear and hopeful. You can learn more about our work at youwepray.com. That's U-W-E-P-R-A-Y.com, where you can find articles, old episodes, and more. I'm Austin Souter, joined by some friends here. Do you all mind introducing yourself? John Talley III pastor at Roosevelt Community Church, downtown Phoenix. Akinomisumi, Grace Baptist Church in Bowie, Maryland. Joshua Chapman, co-pastor Midtown Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Isaac Adams, personal assistant to Austin Suter. <laughs> <laughs> if only. But to prove how true that is not, and friends, we apologize for the cicadas and locusts and whatever else you're hearing in the background uh, in Birmingham in the middle of summer. We tried. We, we can't filter them all out. I, Isaac right. Isaac said that they're they're uh, would you say they're great southern sound effects sound effect yes yeah. ambiance <laughs> well Isaac you had an idea for this episode so why don't you take the reins here I did but before there will be we've done two episodes now with these dear brothers around the table this being the second uh, there was a bit of a addendum from the last one that Josh teed up because all you know Austin when you were you know John you have a podcast it's like when you turn the mic off that's when like gold just starts yeah falling out so that's Josh true. do you want to just say what you said last time in terms of getting cult churches getting their cultures ready to better receive minorities and especially staff hires you're talking about reading oh yeah yeah say so just reading um, resources written by minorities. And not just on the topic of race, as important mm. as that is, hmm. but also like, man, minorities have written on a myriad of topics, you know, um, think about like Charles Octavius Booth, Plain Theology for Plain People, or Jackie Hill Perry, hmm. Holier Than Thou, John Onichiwacheka, so um, Prayer that he wrote. And then, you know, the recent book that he just we came out on. with, no. you, John Tally, go ahead, I mean, H.B. Charles Jr., his books, but go ahead, you can go ahead and ask some. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think. When it comes to the resource thing, when it comes to like churches, like a lot of, a lot of them, they, they read, right? Um, people of the book, yeah, yeah, people of the book. So, um, and obviously the Bible, but other stuff too. So people are reading different things. Um, a lot of people are reading dead old white guys, which is cool. I read dead old white guys too. You know what I mean? But um, there's a diversity of different things um, from different topics. Uh, that people can can read. There's also a book called Talking About Race, and it's written by this guy. <laughs> I don't know that. Isaac, Isaac Adams, I think that's his name. So that's another book that can get to the arsenal of uh, of reading. Well, and John was helpfully saying before he turned down to unhelpful uh, trajectory uh, that, you know, it's just a good thing to kind of examine our libraries and be like, why do I have 13 volumes of this dude? and none from these other authors. Right, right. And I think even the question is a haunting and revealing one of like, 
Oh, because this dude was allowed to write 13 volumes mm. and published right, and widely published, whereas this dude was not even given, was not even taught how to read yeah. and write, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying that's the only reason, but that's another complicating factor and terrifying factor. Um, yeah. but, but, but even like Josh mentioned Charles Octavius Booth, like he was a former slave. Right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, he was a former slave that, that wrote uh, what we would call today a mini systematic theology, right. essentially. Right. right. And he did it specifically plain theology for plain, plain people. people. Like, so yeah. that, I mean, Francis Grimke, who was a Presbyterian, I know that's your boy. You that, know what that's I mean? the reason this podcast exists. Yeah. Grimke is the yeah. reason. Yeah. Like he's written, he's got stuff. Gardner C. Taylor, he's got a six volume set yeah. of his sermons, of his addresses, of his lectures. Cause he also lectured at uh, Harvard divinity school. Yeah. Um, and it, he's one of, uh, one of the um, they had a they had a nickname for him. You know, how, like Charles Spurgeon, he's the Prince of Preachers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they had a name for um, for Gardner C. Taylor, but he was one of the most powerful preachers of the 20th century. Yeah. Um, so in the last episode, I talked about the idea of like some people, some white evangelicals are kind of like, oh well, I'm not going to go to a predominantly black church or whatever because you know they're not solid or. Their doctrine right. is whatever. These people that we mentioned, like these people ain't on prosperity gospel tip. Yeah. Garner C. Taylor Frank, like these are like solid theological Bible rooted type of people. And they're also um, activists. They were in the past because they're dead now. But in the past, they, they were activists, gospel activists in their community. So like these are people that like. There's no excuse is basically what we're saying. And we can keep going on for days in terms of the resources that yeah. we can give regarding that. No, I, but I think that's a really useful point. On to, and my just to clarify, my point earlier was saying not that, that Charles, Charles Booth, Octavius Booth don't exist, but how many more could exist if the laws of the land had been equitable and, and so forth. Um, but to your point also, it's also true. Yeah, I, we don't need... I'm not trying to necessarily just live in comparison land, but it's not just like, oh, their theology is just as good. I would argue the theology of the the person enslaved who's actually experiencing the oppression and the like, I'm like, I would love to listen to those prayers, right? And that's what Grimke did for me is he gave voice to not the slave owner's theology, Though he did, insofar as he echoed the same sound truths, but he took us to he took me to the to the field, and said, "This is what their prayers sound like," and that was birth this. Okay, which I think is actually a useful segue to what I want to talk about, um, because I think it gets to something, something maybe we all feel and experience. Uh, and I'm not sure what the question is. It's more of a thesis, and it's this that often. We understand that United We Pray, and we want to, and we appreciate that a lot of our listeners are white, right? Uh, and we're not unthankful for that, and we want this podcast to serve them and be helpful for them. We want to help. That's one of our core things. We want to be helpful. We want to build bridges. And so there's no real but, except for, I think it's useful to name this of, we in that last episode, we talked about, you know, how we can serve white churches, but, and I, and I love that and thinking through staffing, I don't really know how else to say it as, as black men and as Christians, our lives don't revolve around white people. 
our lives revolve around Jesus, or they should. And I say that because it's easy to feel as if we're always talking to white people or under the gaze of white people or for white people. And those, I guess what I'm just saying is those don't primarily have to be the conversations we have. Uh, And that's one thing you're hearing is you're hearing the fruit of four black friends who have intentionally tried to encourage each other in their ministries. And, you know, John's in a more diverse church, but God be praised. Uh, and uh, others of us have varying degrees of diversity and God be praised still. Right. And so, and yet we're not, well, I guess what I'm just saying is I want people to know the freedom and black brothers and sisters like us or minorities like us, to not be like, you don't always have to be thinking in response to what's going on in white evangelicalism and that the kingdom is so much bigger than white evangelicalism. And I just want to name that and talk about it. <laughs> but like, I guess maybe to put, maybe to capture it in a story is like this. We were having, you know, one of our kind of phone calls to encourage each other. And we said something like, well, in a lot of churches, you know, it's true. People think this way. And John helpfully chimed in and just said, just to be clear, you mean a lot of white churches. And I think, I guess what I'm saying is when the default assumption is when I'm talking about church, I'm talking about white churches, is like, well, that's that's a default assumption of someone embedded in a certain community, be it reformed evangelicalism or whatever it may be. And I'm not faulting God. Uh, or I'm not, I'm not faulting anyone for being in that community. I myself am a member of that community, and I praise God for it. I love the theology. I love my brethren. And I say this as the dude who wrote Talking About Race. Goodness. Like, I, I'm like, <laughs> this is what United We Pray is trying to do, but I think this is a part of that unity of recognizing there's a lot, there's so many black people who, like, don't have that experience or their their North Star or their orienting point is not white evangelicalism and response to that and their anxieties are not the anxieties of white evangelicalism they're not waking up thinking oh what about crt they're waking up thinking about their neighborhood or whatever issues are in their black churches because black churches have issues too of course because they have sinners but um yeah and i'm just wondering if we name that so john go ahead but does that is that on any level clear austin do you want to make what i'm saying better or does that defeat the very point of what i'm saying isn't that I think the latter <laughs> No, Isaac, I think that's that's super helpful. I mean, at the end of the day, like you just name exactly what, what it is. It's like, I think that's just helpful, like, so we can talk about it. So I'll say this. There's a couple of things regarding this particular thing. One, we have to ask the question, why do we or some people feel like they have to, quote unquote, answer to white people, white theologians, white whatever, white pastors, like that's a question I think that we have to that we have to just ask. One of the things that's part of that is, I remember uh, I was talking to a, a dear brother who is part of the um, uh, the black church, like the actual like denominational black, and he was talking about <clears throat> back in the day. Well, well slavery's happened in kind of after slavery. The 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 black preacher was the most free person in the community and I was like in what way and he was like well because the black preacher did not depend on the money <laughs> of the white 
denomination or the white people. So I think one aspect of it is when we think about maybe sometimes why there's like a default is almost kind of like, well, the majority of the white people are actually helping paying my bills. They're paying, they're helping me get my kids through school. They're, they're paying my salary and they have the, ultimately we know theologically, biblically, Christ is the head of the church. But in some ways you got the major players, the financial players in the church that can pull some strings and make things happen. Then I think some people are kind of like, Ugh, the golden, the golden chains to some, to some degree. And that's so to even think about that in a church, like why is it like that, that sounds crazy to even think about. Right. But there's an aspect that I think that is. So anyways, going back to that aspect of um, why that is the situation, I think partly because of that, or maybe largely because of that, or at least that's one aspect of it. Well, and that's uh, hope, hopefully, you know, one penny in the pond that I'm trying to throw is with conversations like this. Cause I think, but to say the kingdom is so big and there are so many godly gifted and and so many we don't we don't know the majority of them right like there's the quiet sister in this small rural town and so humans fallen humans do this we 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 gather in clumps we you know we we have our celebrities for, or, you know, Paul, even in Paul's day, he knew, and he knew not to put his name. You know, this cat is famous for preaching the gospel. Sorry, I didn't put his name in there, right? It's like, and so, but what I'm saying is just like, man, I think one thing, how we do that more normal is just, yeah, maybe we're talking about, like, this is simultaneously a conversation about just celebrity or celebrity and evangelicalism, <laughs> but like, just keeping Jesus at the center and not making, oh, if it's going to be good, it's got to come from Piper Platt or DeYoung, you know? And it's like, no, 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 that's not true, right? But I'm, I guess what I'm talking about for us, too, is how do we make that normal even in our own assumptions as we navigate? Well, so, uh, to continue on and push push further, it also starts with our institutions and our seminaries. It starts with our curriculums. It starts with our syllabuses. It starts with who are the uh, uh, listeners. Austin is jumping up and down right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, um, it's you know, it, I along with me being a pastor, I also am an adjunct professor at a university in in Arizona. You know what I mean? So, and one of the things I intentionally do is like we were talking about. I was teaching a class last semester, and it was an introduction to the Bible. And we was talking about hermeneutics and stuff like that. So I'm bringing in Lisa Fields and the stuff that she does with the Jude 3 project. I'm bringing in Esau Macaulay. He wrote a whole book called Reading While Black. <laughs> it's a, it, 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 it would fit in the, the, the realm of hermeneutics. And we're talking about the social location and how that plays into understanding um, the scriptures. And, and no one comes to the text neutral because <laughs> yeah. we are. So those types of things. But I'm doing that as an adjunct professor right, 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 right now. What does it look like for the entire seminary, the institution, the Christian colleges, all that type of stuff to say, okay, how do we redesign, reframe, reimagine what the curriculum can look like? Because part of the reason why that it's 
going back to what you were saying, Isaac, this idea of like it's almost look to the white guys is because that's all that's being prescribed to read. So we have to yeah. mix it up and say, and then when I say mix it up too, I'm also saying like you may read some stuff that you disagree with and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Everybody don't agree with what Wayne Grudem say, newsflash. Not everybody agrees with um, what um, John Frame says, right? They don't, but there's a lot of stuff that we can glean from. So I just would say like there's certain things that can be added in that as a diversity, going back to what Josh was saying about the books, I know we were talking about that conversation with more of church members, but I'm applying it to the institutions. I think that can help also say, hey, like, and then also, oh, also, there's a global perspective that I think that we tend to miss out on. So what about the South African um, writers and, and African theologians, like currently today that we can read, right? What about the Alan Boswicks and, and things of that nature? So so anyways, I'm just saying like there's so much no, and that, I, can, that could be. I just want. I mean, that's why I think it's a useful. I think questions of why are always interesting, um, and that's what you're you are asking that question. Why is it? Why are those default assumptions in some of our minds? Before we jump to this, can I? Yes. Get in there and yes. Quote an old white guy. Yes, a white guy <laughs> interrupting a black guy to quote, quote another white guy. Be my guest. We have not. We have none of that. Go, please. The Lord bless what you're about to say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love Austin's one of my dearest friends. I think. Anyway, go. Yeah, for real. Go. <laughs> we try to quote this at least once a season. C.S. Lewis on reading old books. So C.S. Lewis writes about how different people at different ages will get things right and get things wrong in specific ways, and readers in different ages are blessed by that. We're saying the same thing culturally. We're saying the same thing yeah, in different. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You should write that mm -hmm. article. <laughs> we'll do. Thank you. <laughs> now, a, now on to on to. Well, that's it, good. questions of why are I'm going to say this, and then I'm kicking it to the other side of the table. Uh, I have two thoughts. One, questions of why are really useful because I think yeah, I think there's just an American impulse in some of us that. We're number one, and we are the ones who provide the resources. And man, it's just like, yeah, it's actually global south. Africa's on track to be the largest Christian, like, I mean, like the largest continent with Christians on it. And so it's just like, man, that perspective has just got to be checked. And Asia, so, too, Asia, 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 yes. Asia. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, yeah. So I say that. And I think another thing I just want to name for minority brothers and sisters, because with John, whether it be financially motivated or whatever it is, or just culturally, like if you're in those predominantly white spaces, it's just like, I don't want, no one wants to be the outcast, right? No one wants to be that. Like there's real factors of fear, of rejection, of like, hmm. I just want to be here, not cause trouble or whatever yeah. it may be, or I'll laugh at that awkward joke about race even though i really didn't think it was funny it was just someone being dumb is to just not give into the fear of man and be like i'm just gonna say what i honestly think even though you 12 people think differently than i do on the topic but here's what i honestly think and i think that comes with age and 
realizing those 12 people are not always right. And it's just, it's like, well, you know, so-and-so said it and they're usually right. So I trust it. And it's like, I'm not trying to erode. Tr- what all we're saying is we're not trying to erode trust in, you know, the That's frames good. Good. and those people. It's just to say they're not the only people to trust. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And I don't even know why they're necessarily the first people. And that's when Jesus first, Bible, then who the Lord naturally sovereignly places you around. But there's just a lot of freedom and I think a lot of importance. And I think one thing, so we talked about reading widely, talked about institutions, talked about lack of fear of man, is also just really seek if you are a minority in these spaces to not, so you don't just come captive to, oh, white reformed evangelicalism is kind of like, my orienting point, like everything is in relation to that. You just got to cultivate friendships outside of that. And that's in part what, what we're even doing together as four black pastors of like, we ain't here to talk about what's going, what the latest beef is on, tw- <laughs> on white evangelical Twitter. And it's just like, I just profoundly care yeah. less and less about that. Amen. And I'm like, if y'all want to argue about like that, that go ahead and argue. I'm just so tired of it. It's just like, people are like, fighting with each other all the time I'm like, I'm like i don't need to get dragged into this and so like, nope. i'm just like paul's like avoid controversy come on and i'm like i'd rather just eat with my friends and laugh about some things and talk about my marriage and not be so captive to like oh that and that's what i'm saying the, the anxieties of whatever that is white reform twitter are not my anxiety. They're my anxieties insofar as these are my brothers. I have some of the same philosophy of ministry. I'm concerned about some of these same things, but I don't want to be slave or captive to that. I don't want to be, I don't want my affections bound up and determined by that. I would like for Jesus to determine all those things and to learn more of how small I am in the kingdom. Mm. That's good. And yeah, That's maybe good. this is just one big confession that <laughs> y'all are like That's sitting good. through right now. But I just think it's important to name. Say that. Say that. Yeah. Are there any thoughts from? I mean, Akin has been sitting here wisely, Josh, or are we just getting y'all in trouble and y'all are gonna get nasty emails at your churches? No, I think I think this is which I don't think you will because I know both your churches and they're good, healthy, loving churches. Yeah, second everything you said, brother. Um, maybe some application. Maybe how can we grow in this area? I would say if you if you are pastoring and you are handing out books, pass out these books that we've been talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, even in your pastoral prayers, pray for these churches of minorities. Um, who are you quoting during your sermons? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you need to say oh this black pastor. I think just call them by name and just quote them genuinely. Or if you um, use a or if you use a PowerPoint, put their picture up. There you go. And shout out to Isaac. I I, I quoted Isaac about two weeks ago in my sermon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just an example. Just an example. Man, uh, yeah, I would second everything that's been said. You know, um, yeah, build relations. Like Isaac, resources are definitely important. Continue to hand them things out intentionally and deliberately. And relationships are very important. Like, you know, what does it look like to build relationships within your own congregation with ethnic minorities and have a time that is just y'all hanging out, you know, talking about what's going on in your life, talking about, you know, having a game night or just hanging out, period, and not concerning yourselves about what's going on in evangelical world. You know what I'm saying? 
And I love that suggestion, bro. And but the the reason I want to talk about this is because I think a lot of brothers, minority brothers and sisters, would feel paralyzed to do that because they're like, my church won't let me just get together with. I mean, like any church can be like, yeah, you're free to get together. But like what you're saying, which I th- which I agree with, I'm amening, is saying like, man, have like we're not trying to segregate the body, yeah. but it's just like it is. We understand that that women's Bible study thrives in some portion because they are women and they share that. And we think that's say good. That, say that, say that. We yeah. think that's good to highlight and help them Absolutely. in their discipleship of Christ. And what I'm and what you're saying, and I'm just maybe just underlying because like i've seen this happen where it's like and this is the exact problem it's like hey we we think it'd be useful for like us to talk together as african-americans it's like well you can't do that you shouldn't do that and it's like well now that's why cats start thinking what am i going to do in relation to this preference or opinion and it's all oriented toward that preference or opinion and that's why you have people being like fine bump it i'll build my own table I'll build my own thing. And that's why I'm like, I don't want that either per se. But yeah, sorry, man. I interrupted. Yeah, you. no, say no. I mean, really good points. I think you hit hit the nail of the hammer with uh, fear and man. You know, you got to think. Scripture speaks to that. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man lays a snare. Um, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. That's what the words say. You know, and so being mindful. Like, man, if there's a concern as to what people may say or how it may be perceived, it's like one, you know, uh, remembering that the Lord has already declared you righteous by faith, mm, you know, and that you will stand before him, not others, and give an account for what you've done in the body, whether good or bad. You know, one, that, two, you know, as specifically predominantly white congregations, like, man, members of that congregation needs to be aware that you guys already do this. <laughs> yes. And you have yes. the, and no yes. one is coming at you for doing that like no by one that is, you mean white people y'all get together all the time all the time with your friends <laughs> and no one is going to be upset and saying like man you need to go hang out with some black people or some hispanic people and the, in and it, of itself right and you, the retort to that is like well we don't do it intentionally it's like well you have the luxury of not yeah, doing it intentionally yeah you know what i'm saying it's like man you know don't fault the minorities who sit together on a sunday because it's like, man, nobody's faulting the majorities who sit together on a Sunday. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You ain't telling your majority white guy, hey, man, y'all need to break up <laughs> and go sit somewhere with, <laughs> by some minorities. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, like, man, just give the freedom. Give the pat. Encourage it. Actually, not just give it, but encourage it because you want your members, you want your brothers and sisters to be refreshed. You know what I'm saying? It's not partiality in and of itself. For them to just, for minorities to just hang out and kick it. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, if that's refreshing, praise God. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Edifying, and yeah. so it's like, yeah, if it's edifying, it's fun, it's, man, encouraging, praise be to God. What you want to caution is that being the only people they hang out with. That's but right. at the same time, you want to caution that in your own heart first and foremost. You know what I'm saying? Like, is it a frustration that they're doing this or is it a frustration you ain't invited or is it a frustration? There's just so many things could be going on in people's hearts. But one thing I want to encourage is for, man, to encourage and champion and celebrate that, you know, minorities are getting together and really seeking to refresh each other. Actually pray that the Lord will bring those things about and that it would be sweet and that it will be winning the sales that they may be 
faithful, more loving members to everybody else. Hold on. There's two people that want to speak, but it's my podcast. So I'm going first. Uh, and that goes back to our other conversation. So listeners, if you're only listening to this conversation, you also need to listen to the other conversation. I don't know if it's released yet at this point that this table has had uh, about a myriad of things, but basically white churches and culture getting those cultures, changing those cultures and having them be more ready to receive minorities. Because I think what you're talking about is really useful for that kind of question. Are we ready or where are we on the ready spectrum is because what you were talking about, what I appreciated is cherishing that treasuring that for your minority members. And I think a lot, I, I would venture to say that's different than it just me being merely tolerated. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's where I'm like, yeah, you may not be ready if it's just mere toler or as ready as you think you are. If it's just mere toleration of we'll let them hang out with one another. It's like, what? Like, that sounds so terrible. Like, <laughs> like what? Like, for freedom, we've been set free, right? Like, so, mm-hmm. like, right. anyway, right. John and then Akin. Oh, yeah. I was, I was just going to say what Josh was saying, like, some of those minorities are linking up together for their sanity yeah yeah, for fellowship for sure but it's like and they're doing it so they can be a part of that right. body actually yeah. like right. this actually helps me stay in this right. thing for their care <laughs> like for their, so yeah i was just gonna just i just wanted to add that yeah. like you know it's not because like you know forget all white people forget all you know it's not that it's no like i, I, I need this for yeah. my so, need know, to be recharged so. like man praise the lord for the remnant Amen. that the lord uses to refresh you know, like, man, I'm so grateful to the Lord in this season for a dear brother and friend named Mario Hoyle, who's a member of the congregation. You know, time with him is so refreshing um, and encouraging, you know. Um, and that's just an example of what we're saying. <laughs> Another great resource, Tabidi. He wrote a good book on what is, a, there you go, what is a healthy church member for church members that are tuning in. We we hand oh, that yeah. we hand that book sure. out to every new member who joined our church. We do too. We do that too. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Pass the T. Colossians four twelve. This is really interesting. Same book where Paul says, mm. "There's no more Jew, Greek, or Gentile." Yeah. People love that in chapter three. Read chapter four. Chapter four, mm. verse twelve. Paphrodus is one of you. Um, sorry, just kidding. Verse eleven. Uh, and Jesus, who is called. Uh, justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. I think that is so striking. Paul said there was, well, Paul, you said there was no more circumcision, right? Yes. But then you just said the, those dudes who are like you of the circumcision have been a comfort to you. Mm. Yes. Mm. Wow. Mm. That's good. That's strong. That's a great That's observation. Good. That's what you good. have to realize is That's that good. The Lord has given natural affinities, and those do matter in terms of relationship, in terms of comfort, in terms of camaraderie, in terms of encouragement. There's a reason Paul was like, older women, y'all teach you younger women, because like I might say some things <laughs> that may not be as helpful as what y'all know about the experience of being a woman. And so I just think we want to, I think we can champion in our conversation about diversity, and I championed this, and I just tweeted this. Uh, you know, um, Matthew the tax collector and uh, Simon the zealot. Mm-hmm. 
and Jesus saying, y'all are going to be in a new small group together. Like, look at that. Like, right. Like, you know, Matthew learned to love Rome less. Simon learned to love Rome more. They both learned to love Jesus most. They came to Jesus with radically different political views, yet found unity in Jesus. Shout out to Gary Kell. Amen. I was going to say to Josh's former pastor. Um, but it's also true that there were similarities among the disciples. And we do a disservice to act as if, well, it's just ungodly to seek that out, to cherish that, to be comforted by it. Like, yeah, diversity is great. So is camaraderie. So is comfort. So are... I just think that, that, and that's where those endings of Paul, we can get bogged down and be like, these names are funny to pronounce. I don't know how to say them. But like, if you get past that, you're like, oh, he was a normal cat. And he was like, yo... I need some fellow workers who like know what I'm kind of dealing with in terms of these pressures that I'm feeling from the, from the circumcision party. So why don't we pray on the last episode, pastor John and pastor Akin prayed. I do think Akin wins the coolest voice award. <laughs> Just like, he's got that, the beady velvet live. You may, you've been discipled well, brother. Uh, so Josh, why don't you and I pray? Uh, why don't you open and you just grab anything from here that you think is useful and I'll close us. Yeah. Our Father in heaven, we do praise you that you are sovereign over all creation. You're wise in all that you do. We praise you for our relationships within the body. Uh, we praise you for those gospel revealed relationships. We also praise you uh, for the comfort that natural affinities give. God, we pray that we'll be a people who cherish those things, who celebrate those things. God, that you would protect us, uh, guard, our, guard us from walking in the flesh, from having contempt towards those things when other, when, yeah, brothers and sisters who are majority in the congregation begin to look down upon other brothers and sisters who are minorities, um, who seek to get together. We do pray that you would protect us from that. There will be a champion of these things, a praying for these things, a desire for brothers and sisters of, of all ethnicities in the congregation to be refreshed. Um, God, we do pray that you would give those relationships. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would guard us from the fear of man. God, that we would walk by faith, that our aim would be to please you as you instruct us to do throughout the scriptures as Ephesians 5 says, seek to discern what is pleasing to the Lord and do those things. God, help us in these things and help us to be champions of them and encouragers towards these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we praise you that for freedom, Christ has set us free. And we really do pray, Lord, that Jesus would be our center that he really would be the center of it all. Father, we really pray he would be our North Star, our portion, our reference point. Not a culture, not an institution, not a person. Paul said it. What is Paul? What is Apollos? What is Cephas, Lord? But servants. Lord, it's you who gives the growth. So help us to appreciate our own smallness, Lord, in the kingdom, to not occupy ourselves with things too lofty and too wonderful and marvelous for us. 
but to quiet our souls like a weaned child to enjoy the gifts you've given us and brothers and sisters who are like us, even as we seek to love those who are unlike us. Lord, help us not to scorn the gifts you've given. Let us receive the comfort. You are the God of all comfort, and you comfort us that we might comfort others with the comfort we've received from you. Help us mm, to do that, Lord. Yes, yes. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Friends, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find more about our work at youwepray.com. Grace and peace. Pray.